Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing friendship in Harry Potter. Before we get started with our discussion, we should ask each other a question. True. So have you been someone who tends to kind of surround yourself with a a lot of friends, or do you prefer to have kind of a smaller group of much more intimate friends? I don't know how to answer that. I feel like throughout different times of my life, it's been different. So especially college and even some of high school, I had a lot of friends and was surrounded more by that. But I guess always within that, I will have a smaller group of much deeper friends. Mm. But nowadays, I definitely fall more on the side of a smaller group of of close friends. Hmm. But also a lot of my friends have moved to different places in the country or different places in the world. And so it, it kind of depends. But when I was a kid, I definitely had just like one or two friends. Hmm. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I think I've, I've t- typically been the kind of person who has a larger group of friends. Definitely there have been times in my life where like I would tell like three different people that they're my best friend. I didn't <laughs> have the idea of a best friend really. And then... Me now, similarly, you know, people are all over all over the world, and frankly, I'm not very good at digital communication with people and communicating I with people. I wish I was better at that. Same, but I definitely feel like I tend to be a pretty friendly person, and I can be pretty quick to develop a strong friendship with someone. So even with those kind of lapses in distance or in time, I feel like I can a lot of times really pick up that strong friendship pretty quickly, even if I haven't seen that person for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm similar in that way, but I don't necessarily just make strong friendships very quickly. It usually takes me a while to feel very close to a person. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Well, why don't we go into our analysis of friendship in Harry Potter? I suppose uh, that's what we're here for. That is, yeah. That's <laughs> what it says on the tin. What? What it says on the tin, it's like like what it says on the cover or what it says on the, the front, the tin, that would being like like the tin can or what have so you. So basically you're using a very, very old phrase. Yes, that's that what I'm doing. someone in our generation wouldn't use. Possibly. Okay. I'm part of our generation and I use it, so I guess someone Wait. in our generation would use it. That no, one being no, me. No, just one person <laughs> in the generation. Someone. <laughs> being me <laughs> <laughs> or you maybe you're just trying to put yourself into harry's generation <laughs> that's what it is there it is yeah <laughs> generation x <laughs> exactly yeah he is a gen xer i'm sure there's a, a great buzzfeeder slate article about harry potter <laughs> as a gen xer well let's let's get started with our, our analysis of harry potter by bringing up a quote so this quote is from harry potter and the sorcerer's stone or philosopher's stone and this is from when he is riding on the Hogwarts Express with a brand new friend. Go on, have a pasty, said Harry, who had never had anything to share before, or, indeed, anyone to share it with. It was a nice feeling, sitting there with Ron, eating their way through all of Harry's pasties, cakes, and candies. The sandwiches lay forgotten. I, I like this quote. When you found it, I thought it was a good one because it's kind of, yeah, Harry's first friend his first friend yeah that's so at sweet age 11. <laughs> and i think that is so essential to harry's character you know as we read through sometimes i kind of find myself looking back and, and thinking like what is unique about harry other than voldemort choosing him and other than like the things that happen to him what's mm-hmm. unique about him and part of it is his desire to see the best in people and his 
I think, sympathy and empathy for others, which I think is so amazing to come out of what he experienced as a child, right? Mm-hmm. That he came into Hogwarts looking for friendship is, is I think, really powerful and really speaks to who he is as a person and mm-hmm. how that affected him. And, and I think this is a really good example of where, for him, this it's a nice feeling of friendship as he's able to share something with someone. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really nice because he did notice, oh, Ron looks like he wants the candy, but he has this gross-looking sandwich. So it could have been this, like, pity thing, but it's not because clearly he's noticing, so he does have empathy, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a gift for himself as well to Mm -hmm. be able to give. And, and I think it's also important to, to realize that this is the first time Harry has had things. And mm-hmm. that, you know, he, he is himself discovering what it's like to be able to buy the sweets and cakes and things that he wants. And the fact that he's able to share that experience with someone else who also doesn't have uh, access to those kinds of things for, for their life, mm-hmm. uh, I think is, is important and, and a bonding experience for them. Absolutely. And I think that part of it does get down to the core of friendship, this act of sharing Mm. it doesn't have to be sharing a physical thing but there has to be sharing or else you know is it friendship yeah yeah well how about we start our analysis proper although i don't know now i'm wondering is that is that an ableist idea whether you're able to share things yeah that's an interesting question too yeah because i'm thinking like obviously my friend who is so chronically ill mm-hmm. with Lyme disease that she can't really share anymore but mm. i don't not consider that a friendship right i, I for me i, I certainly feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable making pronouncements of yeah, what is and sure. is not or can or cannot be a friendship but i definitely think that on the whole sharing is an important component in developing a friendship. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say yeah. it's the only important component, for sure, but it's for sure. it's a one. No, there's there's a lot of important components to friendship. Yeah. Which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. So I brought a character to talk about friendship with. I thought it'd be fun to talk about Luna Lovegood. It's always fun to talk about Luna Lovegood. It sure is. And I think that this is a, a great theme for Luna. Talking about, in this quote, first friendships, we really see that be at least hinted at in Deathly Hallows when they go into her room and she has the mural that she painted of them saying friends, right? Mm-hmm. And it makes it seem like this is how she defines friends. And that definition is based off of something that happens to her when she's 15, when they go to the ministry mm-hmm. at the end of the fifth book. And that is so sweet and endearing, but also sad. Yeah. But it's also interesting because we, we talked about the idea of sharing an experience and that sharing that experience of going to the ministry together and fighting for each other right fighting for each Mm -hmm. other's lives is i think something that really shaped luna and shaped her relationship with these people and is why i think throughout book seven she is a kind of a stable presence as someone who's going to fight with harry and fight at hogwarts with with neville and she even when she's locked up she's just like, oh, hi, Harry, you know, like, <laughs> and, and yeah, I just think that it's, it's so true to her character because I don't think that she changes, but she does accept that friendship and that friendship is important to her and is really, really nice to see for her because she is just so delightful. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it's really cute. <laughs> like she's just adorable, mm-hmm. but it's also cool to see 
others like not just that she feels like people are her friends Mm -hmm. but that others see her as their friend too Mm. or like begin to definitely not right away (laughs) yeah because i was even thinking about when harry asked her to go to slughorn's party with him as a friend yeah as a friend she's like i've never been asked to a party as a friend before and it's like you don't know if she's just never been asked to a party before mm-hmm. or if the as a friend was the important part you know yeah like like i feel like that is very much framed as like as a friend is almost like diminutive like oh i'm not interested in you in that way and Absolutely. it could be seen as like oh i mean yeah of course as a friend because yeah that's what i wanted mm-hmm. too you know like that kind yeah. of like someone taking it as almost an insult Mm -hmm. but she doesn't she takes it as an amazing offer yeah and it is (laughs) and it's just so nice yeah i know yeah so and i'm just so happy for luna that she got this group of friends and that she has i mean i'm happy for her friends that they got her (laughs) that's true they they really are the lucky ones and i always also (laughs) laugh that like even hermione's included when like her and hermione we never see them really get along we see more kind of rudeness between them than almost anyone other than ron who's just rude to everyone um but hermione can be kind of scathing to to luna in ways that for me is always off-putting and i'm just like luna (laughs) but but, i mean mainly just in book five yeah i i see that as being a nice part of that too that that luna includes both of them as as her friends as well well and how distraught they all got when they had found out from xenophilius that Luna had been taken yeah. by the Death Eaters. Aw, oh, Luna. Luna. She's just so great. Another thing that I kind of think about when I'm thinking about Luna and friendship is, obviously at Hogwarts, she was bullied. So mm-hmm. you understand like why she didn't have friends. But before she got to Hogwarts, did she have any friends? Mm-hmm. It's never really gone into in the books about what happens with their schooling prior to 11 but obviously they all get there knowing how to read and write and mm-hmm. basic arithmetic and whatnot so we kind of assume and they probably go into it in Pottermore or whatnot but that people homeschool them or you know some such thing in which case since she's an only child would she be interacting with anyone and obviously right. they don't didn't live very far away from the Weasleys mm-hmm. but it didn't seem like they ever really interacted and so and I imagine she wasn't great friends with Cedric Diggory either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, I kind of wonder if their family was kind of isolated because they were very different than the average wizarding family versus Malfoy gets there and he already has two crony friends, mm-hmm. basically. Unfortunately, that's that's through this Death Eater <laughs> network, mm-hmm. but... his parents were involved with other families and that's how he was friends with them yeah i don't know it's just it's interesting to think about how friendships happened or didn't really happen much before anybody actually got to hogwarts and if the lovegood family is ostracized then that just kind of carries down to her yeah and i always got the impression that they were yeah oh luna well why don't we move on to your plot so my plot is about Hermione and Harry's friendship. Okay. Because I feel like so often people think about Harry and Ron are best friends and then there's like also Hermione. Mm -hmm. But I think starting in Goblet of Fire, Hermione and Harry's friendship really starts to get on its own footing. And it's not just the trio because it's at that point that 
Ron decides to be a butt and be like, no, I'm not talking to you and I'm mad at you because you didn't tell me about this. Mm. And it's Hermione who is basically in the whole school who is still friends with Harry and is believing him and is Mm. supporting him and is staying up until all hours of the night to help him research to try to figure out how to get through these tasks and everything and, you know, has been worrying about him and yeah she like she is a really good friend and she's just there when ron isn't because he decided to be too self-pity party for you know to be a good friend in the in those times and and then you see that pattern happen again later too and even when he gets like all you know semi-obsessed with the relationship with lavender brown and Mm. then you you again you have hermione and harry being a support to each other and then obviously again in the deathly hollows when ron takes off and she's the one who stays there Mm. and yeah i think she throughout the books has been proved to be an amazing friend even when it sometimes makes her very unpopular like turning in the new firebolt mm. because she's like Sirius Black could have sent it to you which she was right yeah yeah she she's just still gonna try to do what's right and what's caring most of the time obviously she, she's not perfect so she doesn't always do it 100 percent, but mm. most of the time she does and it's really because of that that Harry lives at mm. all <laughs> like if it weren't for Hermione's friendship nope He'd just be dead. Totally. And it's not to say that his friendship with Ron isn't important, but it doesn't have that same kind of like life or death aspect that that Hermione and Harry's friendship really does have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because it, it makes me think about like, what if Hermione wasn't friends with them? What could she have accomplished? <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> You know, if she wasn't spending all of her nights making sure Harry survives because <laughs> he can't take care of himself. What if she was using that in the way that she would normally do it, which is either studying and learning more stuff or trying to actively help people, you mm-hmm. know, whether she's doing that correctly or not is one thing, but like how she stays up late making hats for the house elves, you know, like yeah. direct action in purpose of making social good or learning things so that she can do more good, mm-hmm. you know? So like she would just... Or I mean, trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, just, just the the amount of time she spends on Harry's stuff when she is so brilliant and so capable and motivated. I mean, obviously, it would not be a great world if she was not there to help Harry out. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. But, yeah, it's just it's just funny to, to think about that on her, her end. Yeah, totally. But but I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think that Hermione is the best friend in the Harry Potter books because mm-hmm. she is someone who will stick up to you and tell you when you're wrong. And when you're doing something wrong and Ron doesn't do that to the detriment of their friendship sometimes where he will disagree with Harry and he won't tell Harry that until it blows up and he'll hold things in. Whereas Hermione is someone who's going to confront you and do what she thinks is right. And she's not always right, but she's at least going to stick up for what she believes in. And, and she's also right. And she's usually right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and, and, and even when it's difficult, like I, I think that, Her way of trying to be compassionate to Harry in the Order of the Phoenix is also so 
compassionate and so giving and so thoughtful. This last read through, seeing her patiently saying, you know, I understand how you feel and this must be so difficult for you and I'm sorry and never trying to say that you, that Harry's feelings are not valid. And I think that that is such a mature way of handling that, particularly for a 15-year-old person. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just admire Hermione so much. <laughs> yes, everybody should be a friend like Hermione. Absolutely. Well, I guess we should move on to our compelling questions. Okay, well, what's yours? My compelling question is, do you think that Harry and Dobby are friends? Interesting. Sadly, I think I would have to say no. It's really sad because Dobby considers them friends. Mm -hmm. But Harry only really thinks of Dobby when he needs something. And... He only, yeah, he he really kind of put no effort into even giving Dobby any thought. Mm-hmm. Like, Dobby brings him a Christmas present, and he didn't think about it at all. It's just like, oh, here is my old sock, you know. And then the next year, he doesn't think about it either, exactly. right? He doesn't learn from that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think... That's, yeah, a big deal. And I I understand how it would be difficult for him to be friends because there is a strange power imbalance. Mm -hmm. There is a strange dynamic where he is kind of idolized. And, like, can you really be friends with somebody if one side idolizes you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's not all Harry's fault. Right. Because, I mean... Because to to Dobby, it seems like Harry can do no wrong, Mm. which, again, isn't a friend dynamic. (laughs) Yeah, and and Harry never even seemed to think about Dobby after he allowed him to get that sock to Mm. get his freedom. And if you really care about somebody, you'd be like, how are they adjusting? You know, where are they? Maybe I should keep contact with them and even when he's at hogwarts he never goes and even visits him you know like unless i'm like oh we need to find something out or let's get free snacks Mm. or something but yeah there was just no thoughtfulness on that side whereas dobby is always listening you know even in in goblet of fire overhears Barty Crouch Jr. slash Moody like talking about (laughs) the challenge and Mm -hmm. whatnot you know he was listening and then he goes and he helps save Harry again and so yeah I think I think their dynamic is much more like celebrity and like starstruck fan Mm. than it is friendship Hmm. yeah I I agree in a lot of sense but then I also feel like because Dobby defines it as a friendship is it my right to take that away from him, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so much of this is, it, of, of the difference between them is also entangled in these racial and class-based differences where Dobby is by birth a slave and grows up in a culture of enslavement. And that overlaps with the idolization that you're talking about, right? And, and so there are, there's a lot of, of tricky things involved there where Dobby's relationship and feelings on Harry come from. And the way he interacts with him. But at the same time, as a character who by birth had his agency taken away from him, I don't know if if it would be right for me to say that he's wrong in the way he defines his relationship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and 
I, I literally don't know. It's a question that I don't know the answer to, mm. but it makes me less willing to just outright say they aren't friends, even though I agree with everything you said. And that, <laughs> that, that would make a typical friendship not a friendship, a typical relationship not a friendship because it is yeah. exploitative and it is one-sided and that's not a true real friendship, you know? And talking about sharing, Harry doesn't share a lot with Dobby, but at the same time, I, I don't know Dobby's experience. Mm -hmm. And so for me, yeah, I guess obviously it's a, it's a fictional character, so I can't know that. Really? I can't ask him, but I just feel like, yeah, I, I kind of caution myself from making that kind of judgment because of that. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think, I think that's a good point. Off of that, do you think that Harry considers Dobby his friend? Yeah, and that's a really good question. And I, he does call Dobby his friend, right? Mm -hmm. And Dobby, like, freaks out about it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I think that Harry would call Dobby a friend, but I also think that Harry doesn't tend to be a good friend generally at all. Mm -hmm. I think that Harry is a giving person, but he's not a good friend because Harry is so... I think he can be a good friend a bit to a select number of people. And yeah, and I think part of that is that he... he he doesn't have the ability. He has so much going on. He has mm -hmm. to deal with his own survival and then hopefully his mental health and, and things like that. That You know, he can't be a great friend to a lot of people. But, you know, we talked about with shame last time we were on Harry Potter where, where we were talking about how he never talked to Neville about his parents until he found out in the pensive what happened to him. And, and he's been sharing a room with him for four years. And, like, I think that Harry would have considered Neville a friend for most of that time, but he also didn't engage with him in a way that was really caring and considerate. And so I see this, his relationship with Dobby is kind of on that same spectrum, you mm -hmm. know, of mm -hmm. where Harry isn't bothered to deal with, with other people's stories when they don't interact with us. And again, also, this is from what we see, because we yeah. are also being shown a plot of Harry's life. And so it's possible that we're not covering the things involved where he is doing these things that are not relevant to plot or character, but would be going on in the background. But the fact that it's not relevant when they try to develop this relationship between Harry and Dobby could possibly be missed opportunity, in <laughs> fact. But uh, yeah, it's a good question. And I think also on that is our idea of friendship is, is culturally informed. And so mm. house elves have a different culture. So how their friendships would look would be different as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, earlier you mentioned the idea of, you know, ability and, and looking at friendship through, you know, maybe a privileged lens in regards to ability, you know, mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, there are other kind of privileges that go into our cultural ideas and models of what friendship is too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess the conclusion would be Harry is not a good friend to Dobby. Mm -hmm. and But Dobby, Dobby is... treasures that friendship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Dobby is also not maybe the type of friend that Harry wants. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, what's your, your compelling <laughs> question? So my compelling question is, do you think the four marauders from the Marauders map, mm -hmm. were they actually good friends? Interesting question. When you say good friends, do you mean were they good to each other or do you mean were they close? Either or. Because I think they were close for sure. They were people who I think shared a lot of their vulnerabilities with each other. For them to understand that about Lupin and to turn it into something that is positive for their relationship, I think, is something that is a emotionally giving and mature 
way of handling that. And I think that does bring a closeness and a bond between them. Do I think they're good friends to each other? No. (laughs) Because, you know, there's just the fact that they allow Lupin to go running around at night as a werewolf just because they're with them, right? Extremely, Mm -hmm. extremely immature and irresponsible. And... Not a, a good bad friendship. friend to it, anyone outside of that group, too. Absolutely. And a bad friend to Lupin, because if Lupin had hurt someone, mm-hmm. he would be not only internally in turmoil for the rest of his life, but he would have to deal with the repercussions of that on a, in a society that already is going to hate and persecute him. And so, yeah, I think that's a good example of it. I think the fact that Pettigrew's, like, betrayal, betrayal of them, <laughs> not a good good friend but then even you notice that lupin and sirius both think the other is the traitor and that's not why they went to peter for the to begin with right and Mm -hmm. so to think that the idea that they know that there's a traitor in the order and they all start turning on each other Mm -hmm. shows that there's some issues involved there as well so yeah what what were you you thinking yeah i I was i was thinking of some of those things too and i think i think the fact that they took enough notice to figure out that Lupin was a werewolf and then decided to do something about it so that they could kind of stand in solidarity with him Mm -hmm. during his most, like, painful and horrible time of every month. Like, to be with him in that and not let him experience that in isolation, I think, is such a beautiful thing, and I think that is such a good friend but none of the the group lives up to neville's level of it takes great courage to stand up to your your enemies but just as much to stand up to your friends Mm. and none of them stood up to each other because you don't allow your friends to be bullies even though lupin was uncomfortable with it even though probably Pettigrew was uncomfortable with it they they didn't say anything to James and Sirius mm-hmm. and there yeah there were weird power imbalances within mm. that friend group as well because Lupin and Pettigrew didn't really feel comfortable saying something because the other two were the popular ones and they were just excited to be accepted at all mm. and so when you have that sort of insecurity in a friendship it's not a really good friendship. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, I mean, yeah, as you pointed out, like, they're running around with the werewolf at night. Like, I think in a lot of ways their friendship was enabling each other to be their worst selves rather than their best selves. Totally, totally. And, I mean, I've been in friendships like that, you know, and, and, and I've seen many friendships like that. And, and I understand the kind of the strength of those friendships at times and those bonds. But at the same time, is that the friendship that's really going to be what you need? Well, and I kind of wonder if is part of the reason that they such close bonds to each other was part of that because they were exclusive. Mm-hmm. Totally. They were this little, little four-person band that didn't seem really cared about mm-hmm. anyone else. Being in it is 
it, it's, it's a mean girl, like or yeah. like a mean person. But like the fact know. that they they identify, they have a name for their group. They call themselves the Marauders, right? They they are mm-hmm. they are named as something specific, you know. And it's not just like it's James's group or whatever it might be, or the popular mm-hmm. kids or the Quidditch kids or whatever. Like they create this identification that is exclusionary and that does put them apart from others in a way that that also draws them together. I think in, in a powerful way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting because in at the end of the third book, when Sirius, Lupin, and Pettigrew are all in the Shrieking Jack together, mm-hmm. Peter says, you know, he would have killed me. And he just, like, yells back at him, then you should have died. You should have died for your friends. Like, that's what I would have done mm-hmm. for you. And I think, obviously, Peter wouldn't have done that. But... I do think that Sirius would have done that for the others, and I do think that Lupin would have done that as probably as well as James. So I agree. I think they do have some good aspects of like strong, close, potentially healthy friendships, and then some really not good aspects. Yeah. <laughs> of yeah. what can go wrong in friendships. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here, folks. Brittany said that there are some good things about James Potter. No. About his friendship. (laughs) Not James Potter. We don't like him. (laughs) Well, we should probably move on to our missed opportunities. Okay, what is your missed opportunity? I mean, my missed opportunity is one that I know we've covered on here before, but I can't not cover it on this, is that there's no real inter-house friendships is that yours too <laughs> you're taking mine of course because it's just this i mean is... sort of well, you're sort of taking mine but we, we can talk it out i i think that it also narratively starts to create a idea of the friendships that they have are strong because they're the same house and look at that marauders too maybe they're so strong because they're all the same year in the same house it's strong because we are us and everyone else is other exactly and yeah. and that that also i think it, it can be frustrating and damaging to see for a bunch of 11 to 17 year olds you know a bunch of children kind of divided up that way and then seeing that that happen it, it is one of the things i think is is interesting about snape and lily's friendship that mm-hmm. it, it maintains it's maintained afterwards but we also see more of how that breaks than that we see it working, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. it, it sounds like it's not until their fifth year that they actually, or fourth or fifth year, that they start having discussions about where he's going and where she's going. But they were best friends through that. They, mm-hmm. That's what they say. And so they were able to maintain a friendship through that even as, as they got older. But that broke down as Snape became more and more of a Death Eater. So yeah, it's just, it's an interesting thing I, I wish they could have done more with. Yeah. So yeah, what, what, sure. what was your version of that? So mine is that the house system kind of dictates what friendships you can really have, like at least to be really close with, mm-hmm. because there's common rooms and there's the living quarters. And obviously you're probably going to get closest with people that you're living with. You also might really dislike the people that you're living with. Also true. It can go either way. It's camp that you can never escape from. But I think we do see some friendships or relationships that are between houses. And so my missed opportunity is that 
we don't get to see where those take place, mm. how those take place. Like, how did Jenny and Luna become friends? And how did Cho get to know Cedric? And how, I mean, obviously that turned into a relationship and also Percy and Penelope Clearwater, that turned into a relationship as well. But like, where were they meeting? Where were they spending time in these things? Because it doesn't seem like this the house system really sets it up well for that i mean obviously you do have class time Mm -hmm. but they're not really supposed to be talking during that time and then so much else outside of that is like you eat with your houses you play sports with your houses you know and and so yeah it seems very uh sectioned off but it seems like some people were able to create friendships. And I, I wish that we had gotten to see that more and we had actually gotten to see it in action more than just kind of hearing about it. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I never thought about that because, yeah, like I, I was able to develop all sorts of friendships, obviously, in high school. But part of that is that, yeah, I can eat lunch with these people. And if you are forced to eat lunch with the same group of people... That you're actually forced or if it just turned out that way because it seemed like sometimes people could kind of move around yeah, yeah. if not actually forced at least culturally pressured to do yeah. so um, yeah and then my only other one so hogwarts is the microcosm but like during the triwizard tournament when you have other schools come in mm-hmm. you still have people sectioned off and it would have just been so great to see actual friendships form that were carried out later totally international ones you can send your owl apparently anywhere hey fleur and crumb both were back in the seventh book so that wasn't necessarily because of a friendship like <laughs> fleur was marrying into the family but she did invite crumb which mm-hmm. i thought was cute it's like hey we're friends yeah and he was keeping an eye out for hermione yeah he totally was well i mean and they wrote letters right so you, you did see yeah they t- did <laughs> you did see a tiny bit but even that was with his intention to be romantic. Yeah, so I, I do really like that Floor invited him. And I don't know if it was just like I invited him and we haven't had any contact mm-hmm. since or have they had any contact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting but questions. I mean, definitely Harry and Floor weren't. They wouldn't have hung out on their own. Neither would him and Crumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yeah. Very interesting. Well, I guess we should go on to our takeaways. I think my takeaway is that friendship in a book like this is really interesting because it is about children. It's about people growing up. And Mm -hmm. for me, at least, my friendships in those ages were also not always great friendships, right? (laughs) A lot of it were people who I just like shared jokes with or we we liked the same things or we happened to be in class together or whatever else it might be, right? And so... They had a Power Rangers lunchbox. Yeah, that would definitely be something that I would be a friend with, including when I was 17 years old. (laughs) I was going to say including now. (laughs) Yeah, including now, certainly. So, yeah, I, I think that seeing that is interesting. I guess it would have been interesting to see friendships really break, right? We see friendships develop, but we don't really see the end of a real friendship or close friendship with Harry. He is with Harry and Ron Hermione basically throughout, except for those like short-term breaks where they have fights. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just grow apart. Sometimes you choose to be around people who are healthier or whatever it might be, right? And those can be really hard decisions and really hard things to go through, but are also part of growing up as well. And yeah, I guess I guess my takeaway is, is to kind of maybe look at some of the, the characters who drop off a bit more in that light, maybe? Cho's a, an interesting example. 
so yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that, that's interesting. What, what's your takeaway? I think my takeaway is I can be a little insular sometimes too. Mm. Like when we were talking about the Marauders, not that I have a name for my friends and I'm like, no, no one else can join. But sometimes I'm just like, eh, I don't need to get to know any new people or, or whatnot. Or it's like, oh, if other people come to this, it's going to change the dynamic. And that's not really what I'm looking for right now mm. or whatnot. And so I think, yeah, I think it's always good to check yourself and be like, I don't want to be James Potter, so how do I not be James Potter? <laughs> that was the most Brittany way to put that. <laughs> yes. Well, before we wrap up, do you want to give us an update on our Patreon? Sure. So, basically, since last week, we have gotten another patron. Hooray! Yay! So, now we have six, in which case... We are only four away from reaching our goal of 10 within the first month of launching the Patreon. So until June 8th, that is our goal for having at least 10. So we just need four more of you to join our wonderful ranks and get access to awesome episodes like our geeky childhood stories, which we're probably going to start recording soon. And obviously, if we get to that 10 patrons, then our ridiculous uh, winding, strange, transcontinental confession of love and <laughs> rejection and, you know, all of these things are ridiculous geeky love story we will record that episode for you all to enjoy and laugh at because i'm sure there will be disputes and exactly what happened and some of these circumstances as well oh like the times when you are no nope. incorrect no nope. the times <laughs> when i'm right and you've forgotten everything well uh <laughs> If you're interested in, in hearing that episode, uh, you can honestly just pledge a dollar a month, and, and that's really appreciated itself. And, and uh, us getting 10 patrons itself is a, a big milestone that we're really hoping for, just because it shows that there's enough people who are, are as engaged with us as, as we are uh, engaged with this podcast. So Yeah, and $12 in a whole year is like two and a half American lattes. So exactly. Yeah. Great value yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're also very close to our $50 stretch gold where, uh, if Did you say stretch gold, stretch gold, you can give us gold too. That'd be great. <laughs> Stretchy or not. <laughs> Our $50 stretch goal where uh, I will start writing monthly blog posts. There's all sorts of uh, other geeky things that I've been engaging in that I've really, really enjoyed. And I think it'd be a lot of fun to have another venue to kind of analyze those in the same way that, that I, I'm engaging with stuff here with Brittany. So uh, if, if we get there, I'd, I'd really love to, to start doing some of that as well. Yeah, which together is only $7 away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, could you bring up what we'll be talking about next week? So we're going to be going back to Lord of the Rings, and let's get our theme. Courage. All right, so Courage and Lord of the Rings. That'll be fun. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. And 
As always, we want to thank you for listening and, of course, for choosing to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, which I know you've definitely already done, right? (laughs) And if you haven't... Now's the time. (laughs) We'll thank you in advance. There you go. But I think that is going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next week. Until then, geek out. Geek out.